Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Today's interview is just all sorts of delightful. It's with Julia Whalen, who's a prolific audiobook narrator. She's out now with her second book, A Romance, about an audiobook narrator narrating a romance. She talks to NPR's Mary Louise Kelly about flipping the romance genre on its head a bit with this book, poking fun at it and honoring it all at the same time. And maybe unsurprisingly, the two of them start having this conversation about voices and comparing the different kinds of voices they use. And Julia says she tries to make her own voice the least intrusive. Which is such a good example of, if you're doing something right, people won't notice you've done anything. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Noom. Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox, helping people discover a world of British TV, including new original drama Time, starring Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, and Bella Ramsey. Streaming at BritBox.com NPR. At all. All right, listen closely to this next voice. If you are a fan of audiobooks, it may sound familiar. The girl wakes up in someone else's bed. I can certainly consult for you while reading books and writing about them. Was Donald Trump's de facto headquarters for much Doing of his Doing it is meaningless, especially in literature from A novel written and performed by Julia Whalen. Julia Whalen. She is all those voices you just heard. She is one of the most prolific, most in-demand narrators in the audiobook business. She is also a novelist, now out with her second book titled Thank You for Listening. It is the very funny tale of Swanee Chester, who is an audiobook narrator. And yes, if you want to listen rather than read off the page, guess who narrates it? Julia Whalen, thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Is this the most meta thing ever? How are you keeping fact from fiction straight at this point? I don't know. At this point, nothing makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I knew, obviously, when I was writing it that I was writing a very meta novel. But when I got into the booth to actually record the book, it just hit different. And I understood that I had written something that was possibly so meta it just spins off its axis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the book and then how you do it. Um, Your main character, Swanee Chester, she is not you. She is fictional. Introduce us to her. Swanee Chester is a former on-camera actress who suffered a pretty tragic event, and it ended her on-camera career. And she has found herself doing audiobook narration, and while she loves it, it's hard for her to accept that life has just not gone according to her plan and what she wanted to be doing. Okay, so she's at a crossroads in her career. She gets a request out of the blue to narrate a romance. And she's not happy about this because she doesn't really like romance, the whole genre. But meanwhile, she is paired to read with a male audiobook narrator who turns out to be pretty dreamy. Did you write a novel that pokes fun at romance but is itself a romance? Yes, that was sort of the intention. I love romance. I'm a romance reader. I love recording it. But I understand the typical issues that people take with it. So I wanted to write a book that was firmly rooted in romance, while also saying, if you found yourself living in a romance novel, would you actually trust it? (laughs) Or would you sabotage yourself? I mean, it's, it's one thing to narrate a nonfiction book where it's one voice telling you a story. Quite another to narrate fiction where you are 
flipping between all kinds of voices and different accents to try to bring the dialogue to life. I want you to give us a little bit of a taste. And this will not, we don't need any plot spoilers here. This is page one, very first page. <laughs> page one, absolutely. Things were heating up with no possibility of cooling down. Not this time. She could see it in his eyes. His pupils were throbbing. The gentleman of the last three weeks was gone. He was now anything but gentle. He was all man. Their eyes were locked and loaded. He raised his hand and flattened it against her white silk blouse. Her heartbeat grabbed at it. He kissed her, hotly, wetly, then took hold of her straddled hips and lifted her off him. She gave a startled cry as he flipped her, something to drink, onto her back on his expensive creptochine couch. Ma'am, we shouldn't be doing this, he growled. You're my intern, and grandfather insists I marry Caroline. Something to drink? The long-suffering tone broke through, and Swanee Chester, startled window seat occupant, whipped off her noise-canceling headphones as if they were on fire. What? Sorry, what? You have no idea how hard I was trying not to groan, moan, laugh, and scream. <laughs> how do you prepare? If, if I mean, I just asked you to do that, and you did it like a pro, as you would. But normally, what do you have to do to kind of get in the zone? I have a, do a very thorough prep read to begin. And in that prep read, I'm keeping track of all of the characters who open their mouths and any vocal traits that the author gives them, any accents, any description, any biographical details that I think are important. And so by the time I'm actually stepping into the booth to record, I kind of have a game plan and I'm ready to get going. Just listening to you, you're reading voice, your narrating voice is a little different from your voice just talking to me. Is that deliberate? People have definitely pointed that out to the extent that when I'm in a car, for instance, with a group of friends on a road trip and we're listening to maybe an article I've recorded, it sometimes takes them 10 minutes to say, wait, is this you? <laughs> um, really? <laughs> yes, but I think it's, you know, to me, it feels like there's a narrator voice that I feel is the least intrusive for the listener that I've developed over the years that is a consistency that they expect. I'm curious, do you find that your voice is different when you're conversational versus when you're on air? People recognize my voice when I'm out and about, like checking in for a flight at the airport or oh, at so the coffee shop or something. Does that happen to you? No, but it's happened to a couple of narrators that I know. I mean, it's interesting. We, for radio, are trained to try to sound just the same as our conversational voice, um, yeah. which is crazy that that would require training. But it does because the instinct, for me at least, when you get behind a mic is not to sound like your normal self, but to assume some sort of very authoritative voice of God telling you the headlines. Right. Um, instead this of just the news, to everyone. How do you think about who you're reading for? Who's listening? One of the things that for me is important is I, I'm always trying to represent the voice of the book first and foremost, not my voice. So that's what I mean by I have a consistent performance voice that I think people are familiar with and therefore they don't have to get into a new voice um, when they settle into a new story. Huh. I can't help myself. Can I ask you to read one more scene? I just I just want to hear a little bit more of this in the voices. I picked up one more. Swanee's sitting in a bar in Vegas, and a guy wanders over and tries to pick her up. Which is a scene that always goes notoriously well, as we all know. <laughs> she looked up. A rather striking man stared down at her, hands on his hips. Uh, hi. You can't be leaving. 
We just met. Now that was a smile. It rendered the cheesy line charming. Oh God, Swan wasn't ready for this. This lanky-limbed, broad-shouldered, tanned wrinkles at the corners of his eyes, eight o'clock shadowed, tall, iced, umbrellaed cocktail of a man. She made a point of looking back at the bill, but he said, May I? And before she could answer, he sat down on the opposite end of the long Chesterfield, leaving a respectful distance between them. Cheers, he said. And for a stupid moment, she thought he was toasting her. But when she looked up at him, he was gazing out into the room, It's crowded, yeah? And she realized he hadn't been toasting her. He was British. Cheers as in, thanks. Cheers as in, I don't need your permission, but I'm a gentleman, so I asked anyway. Cheers as in, buckle up, toots. (laughs) And indeed, we do. Well, if that wasn't enough to whet people's appetites for seeing where this um, romance goes, I don't know what would be. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a delight. That is Julia Whalen reading to us from her new novel. It's titled Thank You for Listening. And I want to say thank you for joining us and for writing this and reading it. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, all of it. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at BetterHelp.com NPR to get 10% off your first month. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands. But because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit SAATVA.com NPR and save an additional $200. On NPR's Throughline... We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.